You're listening to From the Midlands, the stories of people making a difference across the region. Our presenter is Gail Downey. In this episode of From the Midlands, I'm joined by former nurse Leanne Kirkman, the founder of Helping Hands, a charity which supports homeless people across Warwickshire. The seeds of the charity were sown at a time of great personal despair for Leanne, who decided the best way to turn her life around was to help others do the same for theirs. Hello, Leanne. Hello, hi. Let's start by finding out a little bit about Helping Hands. It was birthed out of a real time of pain for me and my husband, where we felt that we could give back and help others who were going through painful experiences um, find purpose as well in their pain. So we started in 2015, after a period of me suffering from depression, so it was my mental health that was struggling from around 2013, I ended up in quite a desperate situation. Uh, we had got ourselves into a little bit of debt. We weren't managing our finances well because I'd left my job because of my depression. We're in the middle of a building project that we'd started before I left my job. And so we it just it escalated. It's one of those things that just escalated out of control and we couldn't get ourselves out of debt. And I blamed myself for that. And I took a lot of yeah worry and, and yeah guilt on. And um, it came to a place where I ended up leaving home and I left home one night thinking, literally thinking that the world would be better off without me. So I left my kids, left my husband, thinking he can hopefully get his life back on track without me. So that's, I mean, that's how desperate I got. Um, I ended up on uh, Leamington train station. Think I don't even know why I went to Leamington train station, but I just wanted to run away. I just wanted to get hide, I guess. And I sat on the train station and contemplating what I what I should do. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The thoughts were I'll either get on a train as far as away as I can possibly get to, I don't know, I had Edinburgh in my head for some reason. My my granddad was from Edinburgh, so I don't know why I just thought I was going to go up to Edinburgh. Um, far away is where I wanted to go and where no one could find me. Or, I mean, I definitely had those thoughts that I could have ended my life that night. So I was in a desperate place and uh, amazingly my husband was following me on his find my iPhone app so he knew exactly where I was. Well, I knew where my phone was that's for sure um, but because I'd left the house in haste I'd take both sets of car keys and both sets of house keys and he couldn't leave the house. We had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old so he was desperate at home trying to see where I was. Uh, so he sent a friend down to the train station and they came and took me off the train station and got me home. And, you know, I, I was found, at the, uh, but it, it, it didn't solve my problems, just been found, you know, I needed some help. And amazingly, and again, a, a local charity that ran at the time, um, we were friends of them and my husband got hold of them and just said, you know, Leanne's in a desperate state, can you help? And they were a homeless charity that had been running in Leamington for the last, well, I think they were around for 24 years. And what they were able to do is they were able to give us our food and our clothing, our toiletries and everything we needed to help us get back on our feet and claw ourselves out of debt. But actually the most important thing they did was offer me a volunteering opportunity. So when you're depressed, you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to get showered, you don't want to, you know, you've got no motivation. But actually this lady who's wonderful called Steph Devlin, I didn't argue with her, she just said, just give me an hour. An hour is all I need, Leanne. And she gave, I gave her an hour Thursday morning. I didn't really want to go, didn't really feel up to it. But by the time I, I got there, um, I felt good, you know, like, we have a motto now here at Helping Hands and it's a feel good to do good. It actually does. So when you're feeling low, there's nothing better than actually reaching out 
and that's why volunteering is key. It's just such a wonderful thing to do when you're fe- not feeling great. Actually, I would really encourage people to volunteer. Um, so I did that, and amazingly, my hour turned into two, two and turned into three, and I was then massively part of the team. And when I look back, it was that connection that I needed. It was a sense of feeling like I belonged, having a sense of worth and a purpose, and feeling like you were making a difference, and actually that I was needed. I was needed on this planet. There was a reason for me being here. Gradually, I got myself back on my feet and got back into nursing, and then towards the end of 2014... Uh, that charity folded they retired and closed the charity and I was devastated because I just thought you know that I kept even though I got back into nursing I I kept working with them on a Thursday morning because it was my special time and it actually had been really helpful to be part of this other team and so I said to my husband you know I'd really like to carry on doing something they'd given half of their charity um, content of their warehouse to another lady that was helping some vulnerable families just off her own back in Kenilworth which is another local town and so I contacted this lady and I just said um, can I help is there anything I can do to help I can give you a Thursday morning you know I'm free and she said um, actually I've got all this stuff but I, my husband's just got a, a job in America like I don't know what to do with all this stuff can I give it to you to do something with so amazingly, I got given the keys to a, a shed in Warwick, actually. Um, and I went in and it was literally rammed with stuff from this previous charity. Um, and the lady said, look, I've got £250. See what you can do with it. Um, my husband did a wolf run. See what you can do with £250. Um, you know, this is all yours. Left me with a key and basically went off to live in America. <laughs> so, so me and my husband kind of looked at all this stuff in a warehouse and uh, we gathered some of the old volunteers from the previous charity and said, look, we want to create another charity. Are you on board? And they were keen to try. So we just set up a soup kitchen. We just started from fresh, set up a soup kitchen again got 250 quid went on tables and soup urns and making sandwiches uh, and we just thought let's see how far we can get and so that was in January February 2015 and then yeah at the at the end of 2015 after doing that for a little while we decided to put on a black tie event which was just a bit of a risk really because I've never done fundraising in my life let's just this is what people do when they fundraise they do black ties so we thought let's do a black tie invite all our friends um, and amazingly we did the black tie and I raised well we raised £9,000 at the end of the evening but then this amazing gentleman stood up and said I'm going to double your money and get and so we left that night with £18,000 which was you know we've gone from £250 to £18,000 overnight nearly which was fantastic it because for me the vision of starting this charity was all about how can we create opportunities and a hand up rather than just a handout it felt didn't feel right just to be handing out sandwiches what these people needed was a hand up like I got which was an opportunity to volunteer get connected with good positive people and be encouraged and get their self-esteem and self-worth back on track by showing people their true worth and so everything about this charity is now about that so with this £18,000 we were able to rent a property which we then turned into a charity shop now we that was great because it was a little bit of an income stream but also more importantly than that it became a, a safe little hub for our clients to come in the daytime we asked 
all the people what you're doing in the day and they're bored you know these people are bored they haven't got a purpose and they haven't got re- things to do they're bored so we said well we'll give you something to do so we used to get them down to the shop and just like me on my Thursday morning they just started sorting through donations and it was simple as that but it was more than that it's that connection it's been around positive people that was making the difference and feeling like they belong would give them like a uniform and say you're part of our team and you know people need to feel good and again when they knew that they were volunteering for us they also knew they were making a difference to lots of other people that we'd started to support so and is that determination that drive to make a difference to people rather than say just handing out sandwiches is that what kind of balanced it for you in terms of the risk of setting up a charity because there'll be many people who'll think Mm, okay it's a good idea but it's a bit risky do you know what I didn't even think about the risk (laughs) I didn't even think about it I was so determined I think you know I don't know if any of your listeners have been through a difficult time or I've got family or friends who have when you've hit rock bottom and there's no other way to describe it when you've been to the pit and I can only describe it as a dark isolated scary frightening place to be and then you manage to get yourself out of it. The only reason I'd get back in that pit is to help other people out of it and show them the way. And that's honestly what we do here. It's because I do not want anyone to feel the feelings and think the thoughts I was thinking. It was so desperate that I think anyone who's been through something and come out the other side, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to turn around and then go and help other people. So the driving force for me is making sure people don't end up where I ended up or if they are where I I was let's help them get out of there let's show them the way and do you know what it's just I think it's a simple formula people need hope a future a reason to get up in the morning opportunity a sense of belonging you know it's all these things that we need to for our well-being to you know our whole well-being it's a quite simple formula and we've seen now over the years we're now eight years in lots of people get themselves back on track and so yeah it's it's very rewarding but that is the driving force for me Tell me about some of the success stories. Yeah, so, I mean, just thinking straight away about the shop, we've got a guy that works in our shop now. I remember him turning up at our soup kitchen one night with his suitcase literally at the end of soup kitchen. I remember distinctly him ring, knocking on the door and saying, I'm new, I've just been, been made homeless, I was told to come here, we'd just finished, we were closing up actually, because we used to then, at this point, then run the soup kitchen out the back of the shop, so we created a, a drop-in area for the soup kitchen rather than being the cold. And so we, that night it was difficult, because there wasn't anywhere really to send him, there wasn't even a night shelter locally or anything, so we just, obviously, we sent him on his way with his sleeping bag, which was horrible, because we didn't have accommodation then, but then said come the next day. And so what we did is we engaged him straight away into what, we, we run a men's group and a women's group, so got him engaged with our male support worker, then him to work in the charity shop just again I mean he, I think he came from a construction com- you know been construction background but we got him in the charity shop just sorting through donations again it's that whole form the same as what I had really just surrounded by people we were able to help him with his accommodation eventually we managed you know it takes a little bit of time there's not a lot of housing locally and probably nationally as well there's just not enough housing eventually got him into housing and then part of our project is something called the house to home project so one of our projects that we run is when people go from homelessness into a property the council tend to give you an empty shell literally no carpets no curtains and so our house to home project is all about furnishing properties for homeless people and so we we furnished this whole property and then we didn't see him for a little while it was really interesting because my support i remember my male support worker saying we just haven't seen him and I said, just go check on him, do a, a visit. And we knew he was around, but he just wasn't coming to us anymore. And he said, but I've got, 
I didn't I've not been coming because I've now got my house and I've you know you furnished my property I, I feel like I should be you know you don't I don't need your services anymore because I've got my benefits coming through I should be able to feed myself and it turned out when we got to the bottom of it he was actually drinking again and he was depressed and he he'd got himself isolated because he'd put himself he got himself in this house in his home and we have to say to him it's not about you know the handout which is the is the house it's about connection and feeling a sense of belonging and he didn't, you know, you have to have all those things in place for success. And so we again got him back in the shop and he's been with us for the last four years, I think. So four or five years, I think now we employed him. He's a permanent fixture in our shop. He's wonderful. He is our, He is what all our shop is about. I mean, he's great. Um, but yeah, he's in, in a much better place. And I think it isn't just about getting people properties. It isn't about getting a shelter over the head. It is that whole you know, you need that whole package of support to make it feel like you've, you've got a sense of purpose and he's he's got that now. But he's just one of several. I mean, we've got people that were sleeping on the streets of Leamington who are now married and not even in Leamington anymore, married with children that, you know, keep in touch with us regularly. They've gone, people have gone off and got jobs and living life to the full. And for us, that is literally why we exist. So, yeah. You have so many projects going on, as you said, the yeah. house to home. You've yeah. got the charity shop where, obviously... People can go and buy goods, which raises money, but also you have people who come in and help, who volunteering has helped them. You're also doing a project called the Esther Project. Yeah. Just tell us about that. So the Esther Project has been a dream of mine before helping hands, really. I've just always had a real passion for women, and I think because I've been a vulnerable woman. And, and also, when I've, I've got more and more into the sector, you do find, when you look on the streets, there's more men than women, without a doubt, that are homeless. But what people don't always think about is the hidden homeless, which tend to be females. And the reason that females, one of the big reasons that people end up on the street is either mental health or abuse, so trauma. And women tend to hide themselves in homelessness. Now, there's a lot around, a lot of research around, actually there are, there's just not enough accommodation for women-only centres or women-only support. So if you, you find that often a lot of homeless men and women end up in the same environment so there was a you know a hostel and they put men and women together when actually what we're not thinking about is the reason people ended up on the street was potentially abuse you know and they're not comfortable around and they're not comfortable around it so um I've just been really that's one of my passions is the fact that we need to be thinking we call it in a trauma-informed way and you know it's a men as well like we've got to look at what is it that keeps a man safe and makes a man feel safe as well as what makes a woman feel safe and for us we've noticed that sometimes it's great for women to be with women and chat about you know female things and female issues and so we've created a safe space for women which is called the Esther Project so we have run a group called the Esther Project we've now done it for men but we did the women first because usually everyone does it the other way around but we did it women first um, and the men's project's called the Elijah's Rest Project um, but it is just a safe space for women to come it's peer support really and it's wonderful it's a, a place to build friendships but then we just do fun activities as well you do arts and crafts and dance and yoga and all sorts of things and day trips out. Um, but our big vision is to get accommodation. And we're looking now, even this year, 2023, might be the year, might be, hopefully, we've got some things going on in the background where we might be able to get a, a property for women. Our big dream is to get some kind of rural property in the community where we can do lots of skills learning and, and um, have a farm. That would be the ideal place for us. But that's the big vision. But we're doing step at a time. But yeah, I, it's all about creating safe, gender-informed spaces where people feel safe and 
we're doing it for the men and the women. So you'll find that our, our groups on a Tuesday, it's more of a men's day and on a Wednesday, it's more of a women's day. So we do it so that everyone feels su- supported and safe. And of the success stories you have, there must be some stories where you feel you've done all that you can, but actually people needed something different or something more. There is that. And, you know, I was at Soup Kitchen last night and there's a guy locally at the moment that's on the streets. And we've had the local police came to us, said, are you helping him? We've had the drug services trying to help him. We've had all the other local homeless services and no one's actually managed to help this gentleman. He turned up at Soup Kitchen last night and I just went and sat with him. And I said, what is it we can do to help you get housed again? Like, what can, I, what can we do? I offer, we can offer you this, this, this and this. And he said, I'm better off on the streets. And I said, but you're not better off on the streets. And he said, well, yeah, I am, because if you give me your property, I'm going to be lonely. So he actually said it. He said, I'm going to be lonely and isolated, and I've felt that before. I said, well, that's OK. Let's get you supported accommodation then when you're in a, in a you know an environment where there's other people. And he just said, no, I, I, I've been bullied before, and I've, you know, I've, been, I've been in a situation where I don't want to be around other people either. So bless him, this man is in such a catch-22. So there are cases occasionally, like him, that are just so complex because you've got so many... It's just a complex issue around abuse, trauma, mental health. We haven't quite got the formula right for him or he just is so broken, like he's so hurting, he doesn't feel safe anywhere. And it's about working with these people really slowly. So, you know, one of our things is that we're in it for the long journey. This has got to be... This is not a quick fix for some people. Some people have got layers and layers and layers of trauma whatever that looks like and layers and layers of thinking it's better to be out on the streets I mean how can you feel like it's better to be out on the streets it, I think they've lost their sense of um, the feeling they can cope you know like managing a tenancy is quite a difficult thing to do so hopefully if we can start getting accommodation and getting getting accommodation we'll be able to think these things through so we can help people like him that that are just too because some are two complex cases that need a little bit more support though when you go and ask organisations, businesses or whoever for funding to help you do this work, do you find there's a slight prejudice against homeless people in terms of that's them over there, that's not me over here? Do you know, we did initially, in the early days we did, but I think it's changing. I really do. And I think it's, particularly locally, we went through a phase where there was a lot of home Pre-COVID, there was a lot of homeless up and down our parade, which is a beautiful parade in Leamington Sparrow. There were, you know, every doorway, it was like there was lots, it seemed like a lot more homeless. So it became, it, it was so visible that people were ringing us saying, why, what's going on, what can we do? And actually, we've I've seen a change in the last eight years of people's attitudes. And actually now, quite the opposite, people do want to help and they come to us and say, how can we help? What is it we can do to help these people? And I think also now with the, the cost of living crisis, we're seeing more and more people turn up to our services. And I think people are experiencing their own businesses that people are saying, gosh, what can I do? And I think COVID itself was an opportunity for everyone to say, what am I doing with my life, what we're doing with our business, what are we doing to give back? And so actually we have so much support from local businesses in terms of practical support. But our formula and the way that we work with local businesses say come and let's let's have a relationship, let's see how come and join the soup kitchen. So we'll do something called the soup kitchen takeover, which is fantastic. And we'll invite corporates just to come and take over our soup kitchen for the night. 
And then when they, they fall in love with, you know, they fall in love with it, they get to know the client. So we have businesses that come and do that once a month or twice a month or every three months or come in and it's the same businesses bringing the same teams and they just like literally fall in love with us. And then I think when you get to see what we do, get to know the clients, you get to know that these are your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, your aunties, your mums, your dads, you know, that's who comes to Soup Kitchen. It could be someone in your team. That's when you get the buy-in from a, a business that says oh my goodness what else can I do and then they'll probably start fundraising so I've just been to a business today they started at soup kitchen they've just done a charity walk for us they're hopefully going to do our sleep out we do once a year our annual sleep out and then they start fundraising I just you know to be honest I just like people I don't want people to do it for the sake of doing it to tick a CSR box corporate social responsibility I want people to feel it and believe in it and and experience it and really know this could happen to someone in your family and so that's why we invite them along first to have a volunteering opportunity with us first I don't want to be convincing and pleading with people it, the, the work speaks for itself and the people speak for itself and then thankfully people stay with us for a, little, a lot you know a long time and, and fundraise for us which has been phenomenal for us so it's been a great journey with some local corporates and what's your ambition for the charity so oh gosh I, I mean my trustees tell me to stop coming up with more ideas but I have got quite a, I'm a bit I am visionary that's for sure our overall aim is to have a farm I would love to have a farm so we the reason I say that is because sometimes you just need to get away from life you know that t- when I sat on the train stage I just needed a break I was burnt out I was broken and I didn't want my husband to be the one looking after me I didn't want to put you know part of my stress was that I would I knew I was putting stress on him and my other you know my mum and dad and my family they were all worried about me but so I just if there was somewhere I could have gone for six months a year 18 months just to get well and recuperate I would love to have a place a farm or something that's a bit like a retreat I would never call it a rehab I would never call it anything other than a retreat because I think sometimes we need time out from life all of us do so I would love the big vision is to have a retreat in the country for people that need time out and I don't yeah I just would love that that would be my dream but on that farm we would have again counselling so we offer counselling now to all of our clients um, but we'd offer counselling we do horse therapy as well we've partnered with a another horse therapy charity so we're able to now to take people to um, into the countryside which again is just good for our souls you know it's really good to get out in the country um, so we'd probably offer therapy and counselling we'd just do employability so we at the moment we're trying to create some social enterprises so we'd do that on the farm so we're trying to create some soap at the moment it's called soap of hope and then we're looking at creating our own coffee and coffee beans which we're going to call stay grounded which is the name that we came up with um, but it's again it's empowering people it's giving people that opportunity to you know it's that motto give a man a fish for a day and you feed him for the day but teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime and I think you know it's handouts are good but actually let's help people, empower people to get back on their feet. And that's what that farm will be about. And people who are interested in helping you in any way or people who need your help, how do they get in touch? So we are just about to get our website redone, actually. But it is www.helpinghandscharity.org.uk. It's a little bit out of date, but bear with. Um, or you can just contact us on um 
Leamington phone number, which is 01926 768500, or you can email on office at helpinghandscharity.org.uk. And we say to people, come and get involved volunteering, donate your time, your skills, or your things. Or if you're feeling generous, we would love some financial support as well. You know, we really, I think, like most charities and most businesses, we're feeling it a little bit since COVID and the cost of living prices. So, without a doubt, we do need some financial support. But you know again what we need is volunteering help i just want people to feel it and experience it and i think everyone can do their little bit lim kirkham from helping hands thank you very much thank you thanks for having me you've been listening to from the midlands a whirlwind production if you've enjoyed listening and would like to sponsor this series of podcasts details are available on our website at fromthemidlands.co.uk